Welcome to Do Hard Things with the Revolution. Do you want to rise above mediocrity and live your life sold out for the glory of God? Do you want to do hard things, make your life count, and use your teen years for Christ? Here at The Revolution, we know that navigating life as a Christian teen can be tough. Our hope with this podcast is to share biblical truth and provide real, honest, and relatable answers to your hardest questions. So with that in mind, let's dive right into the latest episode of Do Hard Things with The Revolution. Hey, what's up, friends? Welcome to another episode of Do Hard Things with The Revolution. I'm your host, Sarah Barrett, and I have so enjoyed digging into all of these topics that we've been covering for this season of the podcast, the Cultural Questions series, and I hope they've been helpful for you as well. If you haven't been listening, be sure to go back and check out all of our other episodes in the series. We've been covering abortion, transgenderism, sexuality, media, depression and anxiety, addiction, and so much more. So basically, We've been hitting on all of the super controversial issues of our culture today. And while all of these episodes have been jam-packed with truth and helpful advice, I think a lot of you may now be feeling like, okay, all of this is great, but when it comes right down to talking to people about these issues, that still feels a little bit intimidating. It is so much easier to be confident in what you believe when those ideas are never challenged. But what about when they are and we're on the hot seat in the middle of a conversation on a super controversial issue? What do we do then? Just a little bit ago, Elise submitted a question to us about this and she asked, how should we respond graciously to questions about beliefs from our peers, especially about LGBTQ issues, critical race theory, and other controversial subjects. How do we answer these questions without coming across too strong while still being truthful and loving and tying it back to God's word instead of just what I believe? Any tips? I found that these questions often come up at the most random times, and I have a hard time remembering my prepared answers when I'm not expecting the question. For example, last week, a classmate randomly asked me, do you support the LGBTQ community when our teacher was going over what to study for a math test? Thank you so much for the rep. It's super encouraging and I appreciate everything you guys do. So thank you for submitting that question, Lise. And I just have to say that my heart goes out to you for having to answer that question while preparing for a math test. That's really rough. But today I am so excited to be bringing an expert at navigating challenging conversations onto the show today. In fact, he wrote an entire book called Challenging Conversations. Jason Jimenez is the founder of Stand Strong Ministries and a faculty member of Summit Ministries and is a best-selling author and national speaker specializing in biblical worldview. So welcome, Jason, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sarah. Glad to be with you. Yeah, so we were just talking about this earlier that um, I have to say before we get started that I find it somewhat funny that both you and I have the same message and passion for people to stand 
strong. Like your ministry is Stand Strong Ministries. My book is Stand Up, Stand Strong. Like we both just really want people to stand strong, don't we? Yeah, we do. Now, the the, the hard thing is we have to be standing strong when we tell people to. So we got to make sure that we're not, you know, shallow faith kind of Christian followers. But you're right. I mean, Sarah, I I love the, the term. I love sports, played sports through the years. But when you look at scripture, that is a command, uh, you know, in the indicative that this is something we must be doing. You know, people that are sitting idly by, as you know, or people who are not taking a stand on something, even just that coinage of a term is very compelling. You know, when you stand up for someone or something you believe in. And as a Christian, we are to stand strong. And here's a great news. We don't do it in and of ourselves, right, Sarah? We do it because the Holy Spirit resides within us. That's how we are able to stand strong. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. So challenging conversations is obviously something that you have a lot of experience with. Uh, That's the title of your book. And you wrote all about how to navigate these difficult conversations. So in your perspective, I would love to hear why do you think we struggle so much in discussing controversial issues like the ones that Lise described, the LGBTQ, critical race theory, other things like that. Why do we struggle so much to communicate what we believe? Yeah, that's a great question, Sarah. I mean, there are various different reasons depending on, you know, the age of the person, you know, how have they been a Christian for long, what type of uh, discipleship or training that they've gone through. Like, for example, you know, I have the uh, the pleasure with many other faculty members and colleagues to, you know, train 16 to 25 year olds, thousands of them every year at Summit. And, and it's so amazing because you get them coming in and it's like the first time they've been introduced to like apologetics or something. And a lot of them are college students, right? They are having these type of conversations. They've been having them before they go to college, but they get inundated by them and they're struggling of how to respond. And here's what mm-hmm. I found, whether again, a 16 year old or a 22 year old, even a 42 year old or a 55 year old, it comes down to three main excuses. And I'm not saying this in a belittling, demeaning way, but in surveying mm-hmm. people, right? We know fear is number one. And actually the fear, right. the fear mm-hmm. that consumes most people is they just don't want to hurt or offend the other person. They don't want people to take things the wrong way. And so there, there's a fear there. Uh, secondly, they don't feel they're smart enough. Like, again, like this, this young girl who we're so thankful that she sent that question into you guys and that she listens to the, the, you know, the podcast is, you know, you get inundated with these kind of things. And sometimes, Sarah, as you know, some of these people can come off very passionate and very sophisticated, like yes. on the abortion yes. issue, LGBT issue. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you not support something like this? What is wrong with you? Right. If you really love mm-hmm. people like Jesus did, you know, you wouldn't be a homophobic person. So even just how they come off on people, even if that person knows how to respond, let's say they went to summit, they, they, they've they been listening to your guys' podcast, they read your book. It's just the way that people come, the tone that they come with sometimes can intimidate right? Absolutely. <laughs> that Christian and how to respond. And so I, I definitely, as you know, we, we sympathize with those type of people. And so I think it's not just like, well, they just need to learn how to respond uh, and answer it the right way. That's part of it. But let's also, let's first and foremost recognize that there's an intimidation that's going on here. And I would say one last thing too, in serving 
older millennials to younger Gen Z, right, who are now entering college, what you actually find is that they they don't want to be disruptful. They don't want to cause disunity among their their peer group. And so a lot of them do struggle on these faith issues. So one thing I found with people who self-identify as Christians, when these conversations do arise, they don't know how much of their faith they are to inject into the conversation because they don't want to be seen, mm-hmm. they don't want to be seen as though mm-hmm. they're proselytizing. And so I think even just helping people understand that can actually open more doors to have these challenging conversations. Mm, That is so helpful. And I've definitely experienced in my own conversations that intimidation effect there happening. And just hearing that, I feel will be so encouraging for those that are struggling in that conversation that it's not necessarily that they don't know what they believe or they don't know how to how to articulate it. It's simply that there is that intimidation factor that makes it so much more difficult. Right. And in your book, you say that most Christians are better at avoiding an issue than they are at confronting one. And when I read that, I was like, wow, what a statement there. Um, so you share three different approaches in your book, the aggressor, the avoider, and the advocator as different ways that we approach these kind of conversations. Um, and that was really interesting and fascinating to me. Could you dig into those three a little bit more and describe um, the different different approaches there? Yeah, what's important, Sarah, is, is and this is, this is my approach, okay? I'm not saying this works for everybody, but I use what's referred to as the E3 strategy. And I seek to embolden Christians, and then I seek to equip them and then teach them how to engage the culture. And why that's so important is what I want to do, like we were just talking earlier, I want to tap into the fear. I want to tap into the uncomfortableness. I want to tap into the intimidation before I start equipping them about how to tactfully, you know, use certain methods in conversation. But when you take some of these excuses or reasons, if you will, why people tend to avoid conversations that are controversial, it comes down to what I refer to in, the, in my book, you know, the three fat excuses. I'm not smart enough. I get too defensive and I get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Now, out of those main excuses, what you see, you know, evolve out of it are certain characteristics or sadly, bad approaches uh, to engage the culture for Christ. One, you get the person who just avoids them entirely. They, may, they get uncomfortable. They don't want to disagree with somebody. They don't want people to get uh, uh, things, uh, take things out of context. And so that avoider is someone who's reluctant. You know, they speak away issues. They avoid questions. They're passive in their judgment. Uh, they're unproductive. Um, they're disinterested or they come off, sadly, actually, uh, as arrogant. By avoiding the situation, they think they're too good for the conversation to have with that person. So people can perceive it the wrong way. And, and, and that right there is the main uh, approach that Christians take, which is not a good one, right? Yes, and that is avoiding these conversations. Now, the aggressor, out of these excuses comes the aggressor when they get defensive, when they hear something that they know runs contrary to their faith, when they hear someone say, oh, you know, you're assigned a gender at birth. I mean, they just, they just lose it, mm-hmm. you know, and they're a control freak, right? They <laughs> dominate the conversation. Uh-huh. They speak, yeah, they speak down at people. They start using mocking terms or mocking questions and they're harsh, right? They're impatient. They interrupt the person. They don't let the person finish. They're really not interested in why the person made the statement to begin with. What they saw it as is a threat. 
and something they disagree with. And so it's not con- correcting the person, the aggressor. The aggressor actually looks to dominate or to control the person. And that is not obviously clearly the avoider or the aggressor is something we see in scripture. I actually go with a third approach and that is referred to as the advocator. Somebody who's conversant on these topics. Again, we're not saying that you're always going to be an expert. And I appreciate you, even you thinking I'm an expert, Sarah, but I'm not, <laughs> you know, um, you know, but you know, I'm because we do, we all struggle with various different challenging conversations Absolutely, and there are some that we sure. know we should have, but that we, yeah, we avoid them. But a, an advocate or somebody who is an advocate of God's truth and they are somebody who's like a mediator, you know, they love God's truth. They love people. They may not a- agree with somebody on the LGBT side. They may not agree with somebody who's a socialist. They not, may not agree with somebody who supports a Russia invading Ukraine. Uh, they may not agree with progressive Christianity. They, ne- they may not agree with somebody who reads the Rainbow Bible, but they're willing to have a conversation, even, dare I say, a relationship with people who have contrary views. And yeah. an advocator is, is an exhorter, somebody who's willing to find um, who's level-headed, finds common ground, who's conversant. Um, they ask a lot of great questions. They speak up. Uh, they'll defend their position without being demeaning. I tell people in the book, you and I can have a spirited conversation without being mean-spirited. And that's something I try to help people do. Again, a voider doesn't go there. An aggressor goes way too much into uh, you know harsh judgment. An advocator is someone who says, hey, can you help me better understand your position and why you believe it? Because I find it very interesting and I would love to have that dialogue with you. That shows beyond just what that person believes that you care about that individual. And that's what we see in scripture. Absolutely. I love that you break it down into those three different categories because I think we can all see ourselves in the aggressor and in the avoider. We all sometimes have those those traits that we need to recognize and then seek how can we become more of the advocator? How can we be more effective in advocating for God's truth and simply engaging in those conversations and relationships? So that's so helpful for, that was so helpful for me when I read it and just hearing uh, you say it again, it's also very, very encouraging, very helpful. Um, And as an advocator for God's truth, um, there's a lot that goes into doing that though. There's many facets of, of being able to relate, of being able to share the truth. And you share three conversation tactics in your book that again, I found to be so helpful. Um, the tactics of tactic number one, relate, tactic number two, investigate, and tactic number three, translate. So could you dig into those a little bit and share uh, what those three tactics really look like and how to practically uh, put them into a conversation? Yeah. So what we try to help people understand, Sarah, is again, when you realize, okay, my default sometimes in the flesh is to be an avoider or an aggressor. So let's just get that out of the way, right? Right. (laughs) So like my, so my tendency is I could be the aggressor, right? Studied philosophy, apologetics. So I like to debate. I like to argue, but over, you know, through the years when you're in your mid forties now married for over 20 years, four kids, you look at your young, my younger version. I love to debate a lot more than Uh I do now. (laughs) Um, And so that's what we always pray for all of us. As we get older, you do get more mature and you want to be more humble Um, and, and more caring, you know, give back to what you've been able, you know, what God has blessed you with. And so I say all that because 
you know, we're listening, you know, people who are listening can be of, again, different backgrounds, ethnicities and age groups. But I say to all of us as Christians that we, we do have to come, you know, to the end of ourselves and say, okay, I totally admit to be humble here. I could be too much of the aggressor or I could be too much of the avoider. All right. So we pray to God for him to help us. Now, with that being said, I pray the Holy Spirit will help me be an advocator of God's truth. So when I do jump into these tactics, these are going to be three helpful ways to help navigate. Okay. That's what I I try to help people see is use this as a blueprint for your conversation. Mm -hmm. When you and I have, especially if you and I know right off the bat, of course, the most heated one that we can know, culturally speaking, is being outside an abortion mill. Uh, And that's some of the most heated Uh conversations. Some people say, this is bodily autonomy. This is my right, my choice. You know, like abortion, don't have one. Other side is, no, this is a precious life made in the image of God. And I've been out numerous times through the years on abortion clinics. And I've had Mm -hmm. many people, you know, say horrible things to me. And a lot of them, Sarah, don't deny that that is human life in the womb. What they're saying is my rights trump the right of that human being in Uh the womb. So like, so imagine just being in that situation. Well, what do you do? Well, first and foremost, I'm not there to lecture these people. Right. Okay. Right. I'm there to honor, not their decision, but I honor them as someone who's in the Imago Dei. Mm -hmm. Now I want to understand what brought them there. I get it. They want to have an abortion, but it goes deeper than that. So when I'm in that situation or I'm in a situation where after church, somebody stops in like recently in the hallway and they want to talk about wokeness. How do I respond? Well, number one is I want to relate. Okay. What that means is just teach people to, when you're in this conversation, especially, like I said, when you know that the person that you're talking to has opposing views than your own, I want to set the tone. Not that I'm right. What I'm, what I'm saying is I want to be able to build rapport with that person and and say, I want to better understand why you think we need to be more woke. Mm -hmm. I want to understand why you believe a woman has a right to have an abortion. I, and as I as I'm asking those questions, what I want to do is I want to talk less and I want to listen more. Yes. And so you have to be present in that conversation. And and the way to do that, simply put, is just personalize the conversation with that person. They're a human being with ideas. I may not agree with their ideas, but I want to connect and bond with the person. So number one, tactfully relate to that person. Let them present their point of views before you present your own. Number two. As they do that, what you want to do is now investigate, become like an investigator. You want to analyze the conversation. You want to understand their background. You want to understand the differences. Uh, You want to understand their temperaments. Uh, You want to repeat back to them what they've told you. You want to ask good questions, probing questions. Those are potent weapons that are very effective that actually Mm -hmm. gives you clarification along the way. And it actually exposes inconsistencies to that person's point of view, possibly when you ask the right questions, if you're paying attention and like any conversation, as you're personalizing it and as you're investigating in the conversation, you're going to have to make adjustments. If the person's getting um, a bit heated, if they are uh, name calling, um, if they are getting very upset or impatient, then you just have to fluctuate. And what I found is give compliments. Try to compliment the person along the way. Like one time recently, I was talking to a Muslim and I said, I love the fact that you are very passionate about the God that you worship, Mm -hmm. right? I've said that to Mormons. Now, of course, I don't believe the God that they worship, but I'm acknowledging that they have a reverence for something they believe exists. And so when I do Uh that, sometimes it kind of like 
takes them off, right? Like, whoa, like, right. okay. Uh, you know, and then when I do that at the very end, the last tactic is to translate. And this, I got to say, Sarah, is where most people miss it. See, if I'm the aggressor or I'm the avoider, I'll never get to translate. What that means is I'll never get to a point with a, with somebody that I oppose on abortion or LGBT issues or the Bible is just a fictitious book. I'll never get to the harmonization. What that means is when I've listened to someone share why they are a Mormon, why they're Muslim, why they believe someone is assigned a gender, why they believe that someone's born gay or whatever the case may be, and I clearly don't agree or support or condone that. I want to make sure if I listened to them, if I asked the right questions, if I cared for them, if I gave compliments to them along the way and was able to repeat back to them what they believe, here's three key questions I asked them at the end. And I'm telling you, most people, Sarah, never get to this point. Mm -hmm. Number one is, okay, Sarah, let's say, for example, you and I are talking and say, Sarah, what did you and I learn together in this conversation? Now, remember, if I was relating to you and asking the questions, you did most of the talking. Right. All right. And I'm asking you now, what did we learn? And and if I listened to you and I was respectful and I brought clarification and I was considerate, what you actually learned about me was that I was respectful and that I was caring mm -hmm. and that you can have a conversation with me. You didn't probably hear much of what I believe as a Christian to begin with. That wasn't the point. My point was I was building rapport with you. So number two is, where did you and I actually agree? So let me give you a quick little example for, for like abortion. My tactic, as you know, in the book is I actually start with a, with a premise that all humans have intrinsic value. They all have worth. So what I've, I've asked a lot of people who are, uh, they're abortion advocates. I say, do you believe that all human beings have intrinsic value? Yes or no? The vast majority of them say, of course, right? right. Now, of course, yeah. a lot of them don't believe that the baby in the womb, the unborn, the preborn is a human, mm -hmm. but I just want to acknowledge that you and I have that in common. We believe that if, if we can identify what a human being is, we believe it has intrinsic value. So I just, I just built common ground. So even though I agree with them on that premise, where we may disagree is that science proves that the unborn is human, right? They may disagree with that, but I did find some common ground with them that they want to pursue truth, that they believe that reality exists, that they believe that all humans have intrinsic value. So, so what I want to make sure as we end the conversation is, hey, no matter how much you and I are passionate about what you believe and what I believe, you're an you're abortion advocate, I'm a pro-lifer, we, we still have things in common. There are still things that we agreed on. And finally, this is what I pose most people. This is what I encourage your listeners to do. Where do we go from here? Because see, my point as a Christian, as an advocator, I want to carry this conversation on. I want to have more of these conversations with you. But I want to know if you're willing to have that. Now, again, if I was kind, if I was respectful, if we had things in common, if I laughed with them, if I was building rapport with them, I wasn't demeaning or criticizing them, they're going to want to have a, a, a conversation with me moving forward. And that is the whole purpose of those three tactics is to eventually, hopefully, have some friendships with people who are not like-minded but this is an evangelistic opportunity. And that's what I try to teach people in the book. Hey friends, we'll dive back into our conversation here in a moment. But first, listen up because I'm so excited to tell you about our sponsor for the day. If you've been listening to the podcast, you've probably heard me talking about this author conservatory thing. So what is the author conservatory? 
The Author Conservatory is an affordable three-year program that launches Christian students into sustainable writing careers. It's for high school or college-age students or grads, or really for anyone who feels called to write, speak, and teach. But you feel like you need training and guidance to pursue that calling faithfully and fruitfully. So it covers both the writing side and the business and publishing side. So you can learn the writing and business skills you need to get published and support yourself financially. It's led by our very own Brett Harris, as well as a team of incredible authors and writing and publishing experts. So if you want to learn the skills that you need to become a published author, head over to theauthorconservatory.com for more info and to request a free consultation. Again, that's authorconservatory.com. Wow. I feel like if everyone grabbed hold of those three tactics and implemented them, it would truly be uh, just revolutionary in how they change the way we engage in conversations, how we can be more effective in navigating these really difficult issues and just sharing the gospel. Um, I love all of those so much. That's so helpful. And I want to go back to what you said under tactic number two, to investigate to ask good questions, because I know that I found that questions are often so much more powerful than just statements. You know, if we are just trying to get our point across, then we're not drawing out their point. We're not actually helping them to relate to what we're trying to say. We're not understanding what they're trying to say. So those good questions is one of the most foundational parts of having a good conversation I've found. So what would you say are like some good questions to ask, like some, some questions we can all have in our back pocket that will just help us to be on our way toward a more effective yeah. dialogue? What I tell people, which is very helpful, is don't assume for the other person, even if I have read, you know, 50 books on abortion, and I even know what the person's going to tell me. Like, I know their top arguments. I'm not going to feed that to them or assume that or speak it for them. Instead, what should I do? Ask a question. So I say, okay, so you be- you believe that a woman has a right to have an abortion. Correct. So notice what I just did there. I want to make sure that that's what they affirm. Right. And they say, yes, mm-hmm. I do. I say, okay, why is that? Why do you believe that? It's a simple question. So simple, now, but I may so know. <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah, but you're right. Because what I'm doing is I'm, I'm giving them opportunity to not defend their position. I'm giving them opportunity before they defend it. I'm giving them opportunity to affirm it. And then once they affirm it, I want to get into the realm of clarification with them. And once we get into the realm of clarification, if I'm asking the right questions, they're going to get into the defense mode, Right. Um, and so another question, once they say, well, this is why I believe what I believe, one of the questions I ask, and, and this is something that you don't see often, right, Sarah, and it is this, where did you learn these things? Who did somebody mm. teach you? You know, yeah. are, are, is there like a YouTube influencer? Did you have a professor, um, you know, who, who was very strong in these particular beliefs that were very influential in your life? Because what I found in conversations with human beings is that we we all have people we admire and yeah. there are some sacred uh-huh. cows in our lives there are certain people 
that, you know, like I was trained by personally for years by Dr. Norman Geyser. So if anybody ever talks bad about that, you know what I mean? You like, it's like talking about your mom, like, don't talk about my mom like that. Uh And that's, you know, and so I found that even in these, these beliefs that people have, they are also protecting and defending that iconic figure. Again, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's a world renowned person, you know, that everybody knows around the world, but to them, it's like their hero. And so I open the door because I want to see what kind of relationships they have with people. So if, if I find out like an abortion advocate, who's like naming all these influencers, what that tells me is they have been indoctrinated in that environment. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, they've never really seen things outside of what they have been raised to believe in. Okay. So if it, like they came from a secular background. So what that tells me now is maybe I'm one of the first people that they've ever really had a comprehensive open dialogue with a pro-lifer, right? You know what I'm saying? Somebody yeah. who yeah. professes to be a Christian. And so I, I find that to be not scary, but I think it's a privilege. Absolutely. So, so then, yeah. So then after that, then I just ask them based on the conversation again, as I've been investigating you know, for clarification, what they mean by certain things like Greg Kokel talks about in his book tactics. Those are, those are very helpful things because you, again, you don't want to, you don't want to assume, um, along the way. And then what I also do is as they have exposed that, then I get into a new realm when I say, Hey, you know, I was reading about so-and-so, are you familiar with so-and-so like maybe somebody in their camp? Oh yeah, of course. I, I love that person. I, I, you know, I subscribe to their podcast. Well, I listen to their podcast. So what I just did now is I exposed to them that I'm not just a person who assumes or belittles them. I'm also a person who actually listens to the very people that they listen to, mm-hmm. that they're aware of. So then I start giving them opportunity to say, hey, so did you ever listen to that one podcast about when they were talking about bodily autonomy? Oh, no, I missed that one. Well, they were saying this and this. What do you think of that? So now I'm giving them opportunity to respond so that's, those are just great ways of keeping the dialogue going. Um, now you say, well, Jay, what if I don't know that kind of stuff? Well, then fine again, what works with you with that person? The point is just get to know them. What's their background like? When did they start believing this? You know, who are their influencers? What are they reading right now? Why are they so passionate about this? Um, have they encountered and talked to other Christians? And if so, was that good or bad? And if it was bad, then I take opportunity to apologize on behalf of those people and try to build trust with them to say, well, I hope that, you know, I'm not going to do that to you. Those are, those are helpful ways to investigate along the con- the conversation. Mm, definitely. And what I'm kind of feeling with everything that you're saying is that actually engaging in effective conversations is going to require a lot more work behind the scenes in the conversation, in the relationship, even after the conversation, than what we typically want to put in to that particular issue or that particular conversation. But that work is always worth it, isn't it? It's it's worth it in order to share the truth, to present the gospel. But I think often we want to have such a, a simple, quick a uh, quick conversation, quick fix there, just so that person comes alongside to our camp. Now they believe what we believe, case closed. Um, but it requires so much more because we are dealing with people. We, we're dealing with real people that have background. They, they have their own uh, beliefs. They have um, really 
so much that has brought them to the point where they're now having this conversation with you. And just like we are, you know, just like we have so much in our background, so much in our life that has led us each to the point that we're at. Um, But it requires us to really be willing to invest and engage in that work behind the scenes, in the conversation, and even afterwards to keep investing in that relationship. So that's, that's an encouragement to everyone that you're maybe probably not going to get it all complete in one conversation. It will probably be a lot longer of a process. Yeah. Well, and if I may, let me just, just tell, remind people, you know, first Peter two seventeen says that we are to show proper respect to everyone. And that takes a lot of work, it but does. that's what you have to be willing to do. So it's not just hit the books and go watch some videos and, and listen to some podcasts. So you're familiar with that point of view that person has. That's, that's important. Do your research, but you have to be willing to show proper respect to people. And that's what Absolutely. it's going to take, especially, especially when we see how much um, dividing marks, you know, in, in the chasms between even Christians on, on certain issues that we shouldn't be dividing over. Yes. Definitely. Um, but what do we do? Like we, we can do the research. We can, we can uh, do that behind the scenes work. We can pray for the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. We can be as prepared as possible, but what do we do when we're just completely taken off guard? Like how Lise described getting a question on, do you support the LGBT community during a math class? Like that is... Yeah something that would take all of us off guard. I know it certainly would take me off guard. So how can we like best ways that we can prepare ourselves for those conversations that are just so unexpected, so, uh, so in the moment where we're just taken off guard, unexpected. Um, how do we prepare best for those things? Well, first I would say, you know, for the person who wrote that question and good for her, that her friend or the person in math class felt comfortable enough now, Absolutely. again, let's say, yeah, let's say maybe was she trying to set her up, you know, um, you know, who, who knows, but the fact that she was able to ask that wanting to know her response to something is awesome. Now, like we were talking earlier uh, and then you and I've had this too, right, Sarah, where somebody does bring up something and now's not the time or place. Oh yeah. And so definitely. it's, you know, I think sometimes by trying to respond to it quickly, um, is, is not a valid response, sometimes not an appropriate one due to the subject matter at hand or the relationship that you share with that person. Mm, And so I think it's very, I think it's very polite and very mature for people with good composure to say, wow, that that's unexpected. You know, like, let them know that, you know what I'm saying? And say, that's, that's a bit unexpected. Wasn't, wasn't, I'm like focusing on doing math. This is a very hard problem to solve, but answering that question is even more difficult. (laughs) So I tell you, you know, I tell you what, could we grab coffee or talk about this later today, you know, when we're heading off to go to the next class or, or during lunchtime and see what the person has to say. Now, what that's conveying to the person is that this is a very serious matter. You validate the fact that they're very curious about it. You're not ignoring it. Again, you're not being a voider and aggressor would say, what kind of question is that? We're in math class, you know, and it kind of like belittles them for asking the question. Or if they're trying to set them up or, you know, for, for failure, you know, you, you don't demean them or attack them back, right? You can critique that rather than criticize. So I would say, hey, let's further this conversation a bit later. Plus, it gives you an opportunity to have the time to decompress, to evaluate, to pray, to do some research, put your thoughts together on your notes, on your on your iPad or something, 
and then jump into that conversation maybe later that day. That right there is a wise response. A lot of times people think that that's uh, uh, ignoring or avoiding it. I actually think it's not. I think you're acknowledging that it's a very difficult thing to respond within the premises and the, in, in the environment that you're in. So let's set up a time to do it later where we can be face-to-face with no interruption. Mm-hmm. That is so encouraging to me that it's okay to take that break, to take the time, to not feel like you have to do it right in the moment. It's all right to, to acknowledge, hey, this is a hard conversation. I want to prepare for it as well as I can. I want to honor the importance of this question by setting aside a time to actually be able to cover it thoroughly. So that is so helpful. Um, But often, regardless of what we do, how we prepare, there will be times when these conversations just don't go well. The person is not receptive. It gets heated in the moment. We feel like we don't handle it well. We don't feel like we knew enough to communicate well. In these situations, what encouragement would you give to someone who's feeling like so so discouraged, like, okay, I'm just never going to do that again. That didn't go well. I'm obviously not cut out for this. How can we learn instead from our mistakes and seek to become better in our conversations instead of just becoming discouraged when they don't go well? Yeah. You know, so that's a great question. Again, going back to the, you know, touching on what we feel, remember conversation, you can't have a relationship with people without communicating with them, right? God created us to communicate. And so whether you're using verbal cues or even just body language, and this is something I talk about, all that matters in the context of how you're you know, conveying yourself, your presence in the midst of other people. So let's say you're doing your best. You're, you're following First Peter two seventeen. You're showing respect to the person. You're asking questions. You're trying to get to know. You're not raising your voice. You're not cutting them off. You're trying to be that advocator, and they just keep putting words in your mouth. You Christians, this or yeah, I don't buy into that or you know this ridiculous that you believe in this, and they start you know bringing up stuff that you're not even talking about, and assuming that you believe it. I'll give you an example real quickly. I was speaking at a conference. I was there afterwards behind the the book table. And I had this young teenager who grabbed several of my books and he said, would you get these things off of Wikipedia? Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, that's an interesting, I said, that's an interesting statement. I said, are you going to buy the book or not? And he's like, I wouldn't buy these books, you know? And, and I said, then why'd you come over here? Do you want to just argue with me? And he's, he's like, he's like, it's not worth it. I said, but you came here. I was totally fine just <laughs> hanging out. So I, I left the table to his side and I sat on the table in front of him and I said, Hey, are you hungry? Like totally get off top, tried it. Cause I knew he was heated. He uh-huh. was ticked off. You know, things are probably stirring up in him during the conference. You know, he's being challenged. You know, he probably has no comebacks about the resurrection or something. And so he's just, and he's, you know, I don't know what his family life is like. Well, guess what? Long story short, we get him a snack. He's sitting there eating it. Uh, he's kind of using some cuss words. I'm not, I'm not calling him out on that. I'm just letting him vent, let him do his thing. I started to notice people that he came with are kind of like, hey, do you want us to get this guy out of, you know, uh, your face? I said, no. I said, just we're, we're, we're having a, a conversation. And I knew him by name. I asked what his name was. He told me his name. And I said, right, we're just having a conversation. He's like, yeah. He's like He was like totally into it now, right? And he thought it was kind of fun. Well, we prayed for him in the end. His dad had left mm-hmm. him. He was very bitter, doesn't believe in Christianity, he was forced to come to this event. So he's already ticked off about that because he'd rather be playing soccer. And I get all that. Um, you know, luckily in that situation, I was able to diffuse the situation, but let's say you're not able to diffuse the situation. Well, what do you do? Well, guess what? 
you can tell people this, and I hope that your listeners understand this respectfully. Let's say the person that you're trying to have a conversation with, his name is Daniel. And you can say, you could put your hands up, like making the motion of saying like, Daniel, can you please, can you please stop? At this point, it is very clear to me that you are not in the right state of mind to have a conversation with me. So what I'm going to ask you, let's just end it right here, right now. So you don't continue to say things that are going to hurt you and me because I don't want to hurt you. And I'm a and notice, and I know you don't want to hurt me. So let's just stop having this conversation because it's getting us nowhere. I love you, but I'm not going to argue with you. If they say you're right, I'm sorry. Okay. Well then remember that you're able to kind of rework the conversation, call it out, right? You can be firm without being disrespectful. But I, I tell people all the time, Sarah, as Christians is, remember, if the person's ticked off, if they're making these assumptions, if they're name calling and you are not being disrespectful, that's not on you. Mm. You don't mm -hmm. need to apologize for that person. Okay. But what you're also letting them know is that that's not how you deal with these conversations. That's not how you approach people. So they're the ones that are saying, you, oh, you Christians this, all oh, you Christians that. And yet they're the ones that are name calling, ridiculing, criticizing, demeaning, shutting down, trying to cancel you. And I, you know, I don't use that to say, well, you're the one that's trying to cancel me because then we're just going tit for tat. So what I just say is, look, I'm not down with this, but I'm going to be firm enough to say, this is not the kind of behavior that I tolerate. That's okay mm -hmm. to do that. And if, and if they say, fine, forget you then you have to just right. end it. We are not called to save every single person yeah. that we encounter. What we're called to do is Amen. be a witness, to walk worthy of the gospel, to please the Lord. And if I'm being that vessel of honor, sanctified and useful, prepared for every good work, and I may be fumbling through my words at some point, but I know that I was not being disrespectful, but the person continues to be disrespectful, then you have to end the conversation. Mm -hmm. You have to have boundaries. Yeah. And I think that so many Christians, they feel like, no, they have to keep pursuing that person for what? So they could keep getting hurt. So you can keep getting offended. As human beings, we can only take so much. And I'm even saying this as, as a guy who's been doing this for a long time. I do not, I just, for example, I just got some guy had communicated through some th things he had been watching of mine and he was a, an atheist. And I said, look, if you want to continue to have this conversation, you can email me at this private email and we could take this conversation offline. Cause I don't, I don't do public um, mm -hmm. dialogue through on social media. Um, that, that's a full-time right. <laughs> job. But if, so if he's interested, he'll do it. Well, boom, he emailed me right away. And so then I responded, thanked him, laid out some stuff and immediately he got, he went nasty. Mm -hmm. Immediately he went nasty. And I then responded to him. I said, look, I thought we were going to have a cordial, respectful conversation, but if you don't want to answer my questions, then I'm not going to continue because then it's pointless. And if you're going to keep name calling, I'm not, that's not something. And then that was it mm -hmm. went dark. Was that on me or is that right. on him? Yeah, that was on him. Yeah. And that's what people need to understand. And you, you need to let that go. And, and I think that that Sarah right there could be very helpful for a lot of people. It's very freeing. Yeah. Okay, sure. to trust God to say, Lord, I tried. Look at Jesus. How many times was he in conversations with people and, and they wouldn't listen to him? And what did Jesus have to do? He called out their sin and he departed. 
That is so helpful. And that, like you said, that is just so freeing that really it's not all up to us. We do have the ability to end the conversation, to walk away. And it's not our job to change someone's heart. That is first and foremost, the Holy Spirit's job. All we're called to do is simply present the truth and whether or not the person is receptive, that is more uh, on them than it is upon us. Um, so yeah. thank you so much for all of this truth, all of this encouragement. This has been so helpful. I know it'll be so helpful for everyone listening to be able to go out and engage in conversations well. So I encourage everyone to go and grab a copy of Jason's book, Challenging Conversations. There's so much more in that book, as well as just uh, incredible truth for individual topics. Uh, going deep into individual topics to know how to navigate those specifically. So go and check out his book. I know it will be so encouraging. But uh, is there any other uh, ways that we can connect with you? Uh, we can learn more from you, Jason. How can we just stay in touch and keep on learning uh, more of your wisdom? Well, I, I appreciate the time, Sarah. And thank you guys for what you do and all the amazing articles and resources to encourage this generation to stand strong. I would just you know advise people, hey, like you said, get your book, get my book. They can go to standstrongministries.org um, as well to get our articles. And they can also go to YouTube and just punch in Jason Jimenez, apologist, and they can get a bunch of videos that I put out there on these topics. All right. Fantastic. Well, everyone go check out uh, YouTube and Stand Strong Ministries. Was that standstrongministries.org? Yep, that's it. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you again so much for joining me today. This has been so encouraging and so helpful. Lord bless you. Thank you, Sarah. Hey, friends. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Do Hard Things with the Revolution. I hope you're enjoying this season as we dig into tough cultural questions and provide biblical answers. If you want to go deeper into navigating society biblically and how to impact culture with the gospel, pick up a copy of my new book, Stand Up, Stand Strong, A Call to Bold Faith in a Confused Culture. Stand Up, Stand Strong dives deep into all the topics that we're covering on the podcast on a greater level and is your field guide to live with clarity even in a culture of confusion. Head over to therevolution.com backslash stand up, stand strong for more info and pick up a copy from any online retailer. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe to never miss any of our content and let us know by leaving us a review. Reviews truly make all the difference in helping us get the word out about this podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Hey, this is Brett Harris, author of Do Hard Things and founder of The Revolution. Are you a Christian student who loves writing but think it could never go anywhere because you've been told young people can't get published and writers don't make any money? Well, you've been told wrong. I published my first book as a teenager and have sold around 700,000 copies of my books over the course of my writing career. Over the last decade, I've served as a mentor and coach to many of the world's top young writers and authors, including people you might know like Sarah Barrett and Jaquel Crow. If writing is your passion, I'd love to work with you as well through The Author Conservatory, a three-year college alternative for both fiction and nonfiction writers. Just visit www.authorconservatory.com to learn more and apply for a free consultation. That's www.authorconservatory.com. Authorconservatory.com.